the career that you're in now, did someone inspire you to get there? And if that is true, was that person a family member? Well, we have some very interesting research to discuss, and that's why I'd like to welcome to the show Barry Cavanaugh, CEO of the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professionals of Alberta. Welcome to the show, Barry. Thank you, Sarah. Now, before we get into this very interesting research, just tell us what your organization does and who it represents. Well, we both represent and regulate under the Engineering and Geoscience Professions Act some 17,000 engineering and science technologists. So they're primarily in geoscience disciplines and engineering disciplines. There are 21 such disciplines, and people are engaged in about 100 occupations under that. So we regulate them uh, in much the same way that engineering or medicine or any other profession is regulated on the on the behalf of the provincial government, and we provide support for them and 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 stakeholder interests. And so when you have so many people and you're looking at so many professions, obviously sometimes you like to dig a little deeper and see what's going on within your organization. Fascinating study, I think, that you guys did on the role family influence plays with women getting into science, technology, engineering, and math-related engineering technology jobs. So why this research and why now? Well, part of what motivated that question in the survey, and it's a survey we do regularly with women in technology for a number of reasons, but part of what motivated that was we wanted to know um, why people are coming into the profession and what we can do to make people more aware of the opportunities that exist there. And um, so we we were inquiring, you know, how did you learn about it? And we were surprised, well, I guess we shouldn't have been surprised, but we had uh, really solid influence. Almost 28% of our women in the profession said that influence of family members was the reason that they had women, uh, sorry, that they had members of their family in the field or knew about the field or in a related field. So it makes a big difference. So I think what's interesting is you can say that's fantastic because it means what they're seeing in their homes is inspiring them to say, I also want to do this. Also, maybe a little tricky, though, because if you don't have that role model in your home, how do you encourage women to go into the field? Well, that's what we're hoping to find out, and we're continually inquiring. It's increasing quite a bit. Um, we, we have noticed that there's been a real uptick in both our membership among women and in applicants to technology programs at SAIT and NATE and the colleges. So we, we know that it's working to some degree. Um, and, of course, women in the field talking to other women uh, makes them, I think, help them realize that, you know, it's not just a male field. It's, it's open to everybody who's interested in science and innovation and problem solving. It's, um, I think that it's a big deal. Right now... Sorry. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, right now we're speaking with Barry Cavanaugh, CEO of the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professionals of Alberta, looking into the role that your family plays in inspiring women to go into these professions. And you're right, it's so important because I read that I think 12% of your membership is female. So growing, but obviously still a substantial way to go to balancing that out if you are hoping one day for a 50-50 split. Yeah, that's right. And I think that day is coming sooner than we might think. Uh, we, 
That 12 and a quarter percent represents uh, almost 1,900 women members at this point. And by and large, their demographic is fairly young. So I think we're getting there. So when you are speaking to your membership, do you know what the roadblocks are still to getting women into STEM professions? Is there still something that screams at you, this is where we need to focus to make sure we can, in a couple of years, be talking about how the numbers are still growing substantially? Yeah, a big part of it, sir, seems to be that people simply don't understand the profession at all. Mm. Um, it's, it's a, <laughs> it can be very hard to explain what engineering te- technologists do. So we've been trying to raise public awareness with um, occasionally we will get uh, a public information released out about something that's happened um, and try to focus it towards getting people information about the profession. But one of the things we've adapted to recently is uh, putting together STEM camps for high school, high school students where we'll bring together a group of high school students from various parts of the province and we'll take them in, a small group typically, into a technology program at Nature State. And with some of our members as volunteers and some of the instructors from those institutes, uh, they'll actually spend the day um, learning about the, that particular discipline that they're going there for, such as electronics technology or civil engineering. And I think that. Uh, it, it has really developed an opportunity for teachers to help rate, to raise the topic about this profession and see who's interested. And it's opened a door to, to make it possible for them to find out more about it in a, in a really concrete way. Quite a number of the uh, young people who've gone through these STEM camps have expressed an enthusiasm for, for going into one of the programs when they're finished high school. So we think it's a really good way to raise awareness. So I guess quiet, but it's good. The way the way to go forward, though, is to take a step back here and say, for people listening, is there an easy definition of the difference between an engineering technologist and an engineer? Well, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> the professional engineer, who's typically what you think of, is someone who's done a four-year degree in as a bachelor of science in engineering at a university, and then spends uh, four years as an, an engineer in training, um, working with an enge- a pro- professional engineering firm. An engineering technologist is the subject of a two-year intensive engineering program at one of the polytechnics, uh, Saturnate, and is, has been uh, focused almost entirely on nothing but engineering during that two years. Um, I've heard it said that they basically cram three years of engineering into into two years to do it. So it's it's a fairly intensive program, but it's really worthwhile too. Um, when they're finished, they can start at around sixty thousand dollars in most of the disciplines. Woo! But the way the way to understand them is that they work together, professional engineers and engineering technologists, and I've. Sometimes I've caused a little confusion by referring to our members as practical engineers, but that's kind of the way to describe it. Uh, the higher order engineering, the original design and higher order mathematics is all supposed to be in the hands of professional engineers. And uh, our, our members are quite capable of doing most of those things, but they work typically uh, under the supervision of engineers early in their career quite often are working independently most of the time uh, after that. 
I think that it's really important to understand that they're a team, though. And mm. typically, um, I remember talking to uh, the president of one of the engineering firms in our city, and he was telling me that 75% of the engineering in their firm is done by technologists, and they know that it's good. And they, of course, they have to oversee it and approve it to go out, but you know, that's, that tells you a lot, I think. I think with when you see that as a team, um, that's that's the most common way they work. But quite often you'll see our members working completely independently. Um, I, I know one who's, for example, um, a director of waterworks for a major city and uh, doesn't work under supervision of anybody but the chief administrative officer of the city. That's a, a good example. There, those opportunities are wide open. There are a number of our members who are what they call chief engineers or and in many cases, uh, chief administrative officer in municipalities in the province. Almost no end to the opportunities. Well, it's a very interesting, interesting study showing that family plays so much of a role in women deciding to go into these these careers. And as you said, they pay very well, lots of opportunity. And the goal really is to get even more women working in in these STEM jobs. So I really appreciate your time today. And uh, hopefully we'll talk in a year or two and you will say, guess what? At 50 percent, we did it. And that would be fantastic. I sure hope so. Be nice to talk to you about that then. Thank you so much. That's Barry Cavanaugh, CEO of the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professionals of Alberta. New study that shows the role your family plays is pivotal in getting women to STEM-related jobs uh, in the engineering technology profession. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.